0: By and large, Christians have come down on primarily two sides. First was the just war theory, which came up under Augustine or Augustine in the fourth century it's interesting that the church never really spoke about Christianity and war because it was an oppressed group of people so for 300 years they were persecuted and then when Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire then all of a sudden they say well what do we do with war and they came up with a just war theory which means that there are circumstances when war is the only righteous thing to do
1: Christians and non-Christians come down on both sides of the issue of capital punishment and war. We feel justified in our proclamations about how these decisions should be made. But today, Pastor Daniel reminds us that our primary goal should be to seek the word on these matters. While there may not be a clear answer, the point is to seek God's heart in everything. War is a part of life, but it wasn't meant to be until sin entered the world. Now here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, Ten Commandments. Jesus
0: so what I want you to do is next time you get angry with someone, I want you to think, I'm a murderer. So I want you to think that. Because that, according to Jesus, we have a heart disposition of somebody who is murdering in the first degree. Because we want to realize the severity of our sins. Now, why do we, that sounds like a strange thing, like realize the severity of your sin. Why? Because when we realize the severity of the problems of our heart, what does it do? It drives us into the arms of our Savior. Jesus says, the way up is down. The way to grow in godliness is to realize how needy we really are. And it's so easy for us when we have anger just to justify it, right? Like, man, you don't even realize. I mean, if you were in my shoes, you'd blow your cork, right? It's it's not that bad. No, it is that bad. It's so bad that God would send his own son to die on a cross for you and for me. So I don't want us to be afraid of allowing God to reveal to us the gravity, the weightiness of what's in our heart. But don't let it Break us down and beat us down We let it drive us into the arms of Jesus Because if you're in here today And you put your faith and trust in Jesus That's exactly why Jesus went to the cross Not only for the actions that you live out But for all the garbage that's in your heart That leads to those actions God has accepted you Knowing full well that that's all in there I don't know about you But that makes me astounded When I think about it That God knows not only the litany of things that I've done in action, but God knows all the motivations in my heart. And he still says, I love that guy. I want that guy to be my son. That blows my mind. And the more honest we are with ourselves at all the garbage that's in there, the more we realize how absolutely amazing God's grace really is. And then we become absolutely grateful and it also takes all the judgmentalism out of our hearts. Because if you walk in the light as he is in the light and you see all of the impurities of your life and you realize I'm still loved and accepted with all this junk and you look at someone else and you're like God would accept them too in Christ. I can't judge them. I'm just like them. They have their own stuff. I have my own stuff. So we have to realize that in God's economy we have to do battle by the spirit With what is in our hearts. It's where they come from. It's where it comes from. Listen to James chapter 4. Verses 1 to 4. And it says. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask. And you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. What that says is that the reason murders and wars and fights happens mostly is because of covetousness. Because we're trying to fulfill ourselves with things that we want to take from other people when the only place we really get that soul satisfaction is from God alone. And all we have to do is ask God, I want you to fulfill this longing in my heart. You know, you think of our culture with its bent on sexual immorality. And really what it is, is people are craving intimacy. They're craving it. Why? Because we were created for intimacy. Each living soul was created for deep interpersonal relationships. But our culture tells us that this is a way to intimacy. And as all of us who've been down those roads know, that that's really not intimate at all. It's shallow, because it's an inch deep. And true intimacy is not an inch deep. And we're craving intimacy, but the intimacy that we really want comes from God. That's where it comes from. And even for those of you who are married, you realize that the intimacy you want in your marriage... It really doesn't come from your spouse. It comes from God flowing through your spouse. That's where it comes from. Because if you look to a spouse to try and give you the intimacy that you crave, you feel like, man, that person falls short. The women think to themselves, this man is emotionally unavailable. And the men think this woman is just too emotional, stereotypically. I've done enough marriage counseling to know that that's pretty much the way it rolls in 90% of relationships. Because you're looking to the person instead of looking to the Lord because what you're doing is you're looking for an intimacy fulfillment from a person when really it only comes from God. And God fulfills your needs and you look at your spouse you're like, look, I love that person. Yeah, they're quirky. They don't do everything that I would like them to do but you know what? I don't do everything that they would like me to do. But God's grace is sufficient for all of us and we grow closer. So we have to make sure we put God in the center. Now, In this day and age, I believe that when you look at this idea of you shall not murder, I think that there are three kind of hot-button issues that I just want to hit briefly that I think we need to look at in light of this scripture. One is abortion. Two is capital punishment. And three is war. Because all three are hot-button issues, and all three have to do with this verse. Now, abortion, of course, you shall not murder. Now, we live in a day and age that people would say that life begins at birth and everything before then is not life. But we actually don't really believe that. Why? Because if you if you murder somebody who's pregnant, you get charged with a double homicide. So in one sense, we're saying, look, the mother has control over the life. And in another sense, you say, well, if you kill a mother with child, you're actually guilty of two murders. And And there's an issue there. Now, We've talked about abortion before at church. God loves life. People ask me, like, Pastor Daniel, what's your position on on abortion? I say, look, I'm compassionately pro-life. Which means this, I believe that people who seek to have abortions are scared most often. Not malicious, not mean-spirited, angry, scared. And listen, if you're in here today and you've been down that road, man, just let Jesus's grace be sufficient for you. God's forgiveness is that great. No matter what any of us have done. The murderer, in whatever way, grace is there for you. But God loves life. We've seen it all through the Bible. Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you to be a prophet, he says. All through the Bible. See, God loves life. But in a culture that has, in was it 50 years of Roe versus Wade, aborted millions of unborn children, I believe it is murder. I believe it is. We're taking life. Might be the single greatest genocide of the 20th century, abortion. So I think we really need to look at it. Now, I realize it's, it's, I always say this. When these things become political issues, they make me totally nervous because politicians don't actually try and solve problems. They just use issues to make you hate the other side. That's what they do. That's how they get elected. So I am not. I don't want to get into the politics of it. I want to look at, as Christians, we look at it from what does God's word say? And God's word says that we shall not murder with premeditation. That's what it says. So we need to think that way. And at the same time, as I said, if those mistakes have been made, there is grace for anybody, for anybody. So that's the first one. Second, capital punishment. Should a life, be taken given the things that someone has done. Now, I'm going to be honest. On this issue, there's all sorts of Christians who come down on both sides of it. It's interesting. God's law says that if you take a life, a life will be required of you. We're going to get to it in Exodus chapter 21, verse 12. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. Exodus 21, 14, but if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Now, the reason I say that capital punishment, people come down on both sides of it because it's very easy to. On one hand, you can say when you live in such a way that you have forfeited your right right to life, then it is the government's duty to take your life. I believe it has very solid biblical footing. Now, on the other side of it, you could very much say Jesus is a God of forgiveness. And if you give somebody more time, anyone can repent of their sins and come to Christ. And guess what? That's a pretty solid argument as well. So for me, when I look at something like capital punishment, I think each one of us needs to search the scriptures and seek God's heart. And I believe that you can make solid biblical answers on both sides. what's interesting is God has never given the church responsibility to exercise capital punishment on anybody. According to Romans chapter 13, that has been entrusted to our government or the the government that is over a group of Christians. So the only time in the New Testament somebody dies is when God takes their life. Never when a Christian does. Okay? So with that, I want to encourage you Each one of you, no matter how angry somebody makes you, don't feel like you have the right to exercise God's judgment upon them. Okay? So that's capital punishment. And then finally, the idea of war. And now, to treat this quickly is very hard. But by and large, Christians have come down on primarily two sides. First was the just war theory, which came up under Augustine or Augustine. In the 4th century, it's interesting that the church never really spoke about Christianity and war because it was an oppressed group of people. So for 300 years, they were persecuted. And then when Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire, then all of a sudden they say, well, what do we do with war? And they came up with a just war theory, which means that there are circumstances when war is the only righteous thing to do. Like some people would say that America's entrance into World War II Was an example of a just war That if we would have stayed on the side And let an atrocity happen Then that would have been an error And that's a solid argument So there's the idea of a just war That there are times when war is inevitable Like the Apostle Paul says Live peaceably with all men When what? When it's within your power So what happens when it's not within your power? What happens when war is thrust upon you? Should you do nothing? Or should you Make war because you've done everything that you could That's what you would call just war theory The other side of it And a lot of Christians would hold to a view of Total and complete pacifism Which means I will never take up arms And they use different scriptures That Jesus speaks to Like when Peter pulls out his knife To cut off the head Of Malchus and he misses And he just catches his ear And Jesus heals Malchus's ear and says Hey those who live by the sword will die by the sword And that Jesus giving up his own life a pure pacifist position. Now again, I think you can make biblical arguments on both sides for just war and for pure pacifism. And so for me, on that issue, I believe that we need to search the scriptures, we need to pray, we need to seek God's heart, and I believe that some of us will come out on different sides of it. If you were to ask me my personal opinion, I'm just going to share with you. I believe that we should be totally pacifists until the point when, we're going to be harmed or our family is going to be harmed. And then we have to make a stand. Like, I don't believe as a husband, if somebody came in my house and was going to hurt my wife and my kids, for me to say, well, in Jesus' name, I'm going to do nothing. I think I'm abnegating my responsibility as a husband and as a father. But I would try everything to talk them down. And if I can't talk them down, then we're going to rumble. You know, <laughs> I believe that that's God's heart. So I don't go look for war. I don't go just try and make it because I just want to get that going on. I try everything to diffuse the situation. And if I can't, if someone's going to go down, it's not going to be my family or me. That's my personal opinion. Now, if you hold a pure pacifist position, I totally respect that. And I totally get that. And I get the biblical foundation behind it. Because I think you can, make, you can make a strong case for it, biblically. But you can also make a strong case for protecting yourself and your loved ones. So... But I think these are important issues to think through. Why? Because they're such a part of the world that we live in. There hasn't been a day of peace since Jesus rose from the dead. Not one day of peace on the globe. There's been a skirmish going on somewhere. Every single day. So war is a part of life. We live in a day and age where abortion is prevalent. Capital punishment. We live in a in a country where different states do and some don't. But by and large, it's prevalent. So we want to think through it not as Americans, although we are blessed to be Americans. As Christians, that actually supersedes all of our other affiliations. Jesus said that unless I'm the top, you don't hate everything else, you're not worthy of me. That's what he said. So our Christian faith supersedes all our other affiliations. So whatever your political persuasion, your commitment to Jesus supersedes that. Whatever your gender is, your commitment to Jesus supersedes that. Whatever your, just your normal constitution is, your commitment to Jesus supersedes that. And so as Christians, our job is to look at the Bible, seek the heart of God, and wrestle with it. And I and I admit, I wish sometimes the Bible was as black and white as I'd want it to be. But there's a lot of these hot-button issues where there's a lot, you can make a lot of different arguments if you really think through it. And so I want to just encourage you, if you have strong positions on the things that I just said and you're upset about what I said, I'm sorry. I would love to be able to give everything in a nice, neat box, but certain things just don't come in a neat box biblically. And that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. But I believe that we can hold differing opinions on these things and still love one another in Jesus' name because God's growing all of us up, amen? Okay, let's go to the next commandment then. In verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. This is the seventh commandment. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 18 says it exactly the same way. You shall not commit adultery. Now adultery, of course, what do you think about it in a physical way is when a man and a woman are married and one of them breaks their covenant of marriage with another person. And we live in a day and age where sometimes that person is Either of the opposite sex, or now we live in a day and age where it's becoming more common for people to do it with people of the same sex. So it's the breaking of a marital covenant with someone other than the person you've made a commitment to. That's what it is. Now, the Bible speaks of two types of adultery: spiritual adultery and then physical adultery. There are two types. And if you read the prophet Jeremiah, one of the focuses of his prophetic ministry is calling the children of Israel back from spiritual adultery. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 6 to 9. The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree and there played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. Now, I know that sounds totally weird, committing adultery with stones and trees. But what they're saying is this. Anybody who's read the Bible realizes that the marriage between a man and a woman is actually a picture. It's not just about human happiness, although it has to do with human happiness. There's a greater picture at stake. This is why God values marriage. Because the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 5 in talking about husbands and wives, starts talking about Jesus and the church. God and his covenant people. See, the reason why God requests that men and women make a covenant, a commitment of love and faithfulness to each other, is because the family as God's main unit for a society is meant to be a picture of God's covenant to people. God and the church, Jesus and his bride. So it's very easy when the people who have committed themselves to God, who God has made a covenant with, when they start to love and worship other gods, they are, in a, in a sense, committing spiritual adultery. We're straying on our marriage, our covenant to the Almighty God and choosing to worship other things. The children of Israel... In their day, being surrounded by nations who worshipped other gods, it was very common for them to go and worship under the trees in all the different ways that people did in their day. Now, American culture, by and large, we don't worship statues very much. Although there are a lot of Eastern nations and countries that still do. But we have a different set of spiritual adultery. And if you look at the, the idols of our Western culture, oftentimes it has to do with materialism. Security and safety and sexuality. Now it's interesting, same gods were back in the day, they were just worshiped differently. So we have to be careful not to love our things more than we love God. God doesn't say we can't have things. He just says we can't commit our lives to them. Like it's funny, I'm talking about this now. I mean, that beautiful base that I'm playing, that was a gift. It was the base of all bases for me and it just fell down. Like you got, for those of you here for worship, it fell right up the stand. I was bummed, you know? And it's like, and it's not wrong to be bummed as long as I don't worship the bass. It's a bass and we play it and we love it, but it's just a bass, not God. See, idolatry is when you take a good thing, like a bass, and you make it an ultimate thing, like a God. And you take a good thing, you make it an ultimate thing, and then what does it become? A bad thing. That's what idolatry is. It's taking a good thing, making it an ultimate thing, then it becomes a bad thing. Okay? So spiritual adultery is when you take a good thing and you make it an ultimate thing. You make it the thing that you live for, breathe for, die for. If that thing is anything other than God, then you are, in effect, committing spiritual adultery. You have strayed from the lover of your soul who has made a covenant with you in Christ. So that's one type of adultery, that's spiritual adultery, when we stray from God. And second, of course, there's physical adultery, which is in the covenant of marriage when you stray from your marriage. Now, as we said about murder, so is true about adultery. If you're in here today, or you're listening online, and you have been married, and you have strayed on your marriage, and you have committed adultery, there is grace for you in Christ. There is. I always think of John chapter 8, when Jesus, they found a man and a woman caught in the act of adultery. Interestingly enough, they only brought the woman to Jesus. They only tried to stone the woman. You wonder, like she was caught in the very act. They said, where's the guy? Talk about preferential judgment. But they bring the woman They say This woman was caught In the act of adultery What should we do And Jesus said Well what does the law say We should stone her with stones She said Well hey Let him who is without sin Cast the first stone What a fascinating statement It said from the oldest To the youngest Everybody left And only Jesus And the woman was there And Jesus said Where are these accusers of yours So they have all left Jesus said I don't condemn you either Go and sin no more
1: Jesus is real. Abortion, war, capital punishment, all these things are debated politically, but today Pastor Daniel encouraged us to look at things from a scriptural perspective. Some things are clear, but others like war are just not as straightforward. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is real radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus Is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. <laughs> they are constantly ringing and dinging. Telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus is Real podcast. Log on to Jesus is Real Join us again here on Jesus is Real radio. When Pastor Daniel goes deeper into the issues of adultery. Physical adultery destroys people, even though the world we live in seems to accept it. But Jesus can cleanse us. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through his series entitled, Sinai. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.